listening to the Greatest Years in Stars podcast, episode 12. Before I actually get on talking about the 1996 year, legendary Shawn Michaels, I want to read a couple of messages I got concerning episode 11. And the first person said, quote, probably the most underrated talent that's ever came through the Attitude Era, end quote. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, there's a guy that just didn't get enough credit for credit with me. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind that he actually stayed longer actually fully committed to WWF at the time that he would have absolutely been a toy, a superstar. He would have been a main event. If he would have hung in there, if he would have hung in there, especially considering that Stone Cold was going to be out for a year. I mean, Ken Shamrock was gone literally about too much prior to Stone Cold uh, going out with his neck injury. Uh, he was gone. So there's no doubt in my mind if he would have hung in there for that particular time while Austin was on the shelf, there's no doubt. I have no doubt he would have actually uh, officially have reached that mountaintop and won the world title going into 2000, if not during the year 2000. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny to play this what if game and how things could have really turned out. But the fact of the matter was, he was still a mixed martial arts guy. And clearly, he missed, he missed that. He missed the thrill of actual shoot fighting. But the funny thing is, is he actually was a pro wrestler first. If you actually know your background with Ken Shamrock, he was actually a pro wrestler before he was an MMA fighter. That's, that's why it's a bit of a head scratcher. And there was I mean, his believability was just on just another level. Like, people really believe this dude was a legit bad And, yeah, he just, despite all the good things that he did while he was you know, like winning the IC draft, like becoming the king of the ring in 1998, he still didn't quite get the credit that he deserves, in my opinion. But a lot of people forget that he was the guy that put the ankle lock on the map. He was the guy that put tap outs on the map at, for, for pro wrestling. Because of his background in shoot fighting, because of his history in the UFC, and that was a big deal. So to to make that transition and bring those two groundbreaking things to pro wrestling was huge, especially during the Attitude Era. And moving right along to uh, another comment concerning Ken Shamrock, uh, this guy says. And I quote, when it comes to the realism of wrestling, Ken Shamrock made you believe what he was doing in the ring 
and you felt it, end quote. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. As one of my favorites, you know, during the Attitude Era, I remember back when every single time there was a brand new video game that came out from when that was WWF, whether it was Warzone, WWF Attitude, the original SmackDown on PS1, I was all over that. That was a buy for me. Uh, WWF WrestleMania 2000 on Nintendo 64, WWF No Mercy the following year, which in my opinion is the GOAT of wrestling games. And I played a lot of good ones over the years. But that there's no other wrestling game I'm more fonder of than No Mercy on Nintendo 64. And like I said, uh, it, there's a lot of really, really good ones, especially in that era. But with that said, I'm going to move forward. And again, I'm here today to discuss the legendary Shawn Michaels and his 1996 year. And what a year it was for Shawn Michaels. That was his, uh, he, he was the man. He was the man as far as um, carrying the strap predominantly through the entire, pretty much through the entire year. Um, and he starts off the year in 1996 entering the Royal Rumble. And uh, for the second year in a row, he wins the Royal Rumble match. And overall, it was a very entertaining Royal Rumble match. It was actually much better than the year before um, in 1995. Had more stars in it. And uh, overall, it was, a, a, it, was, it was a more exciting Royal Rumble than 1995. And Sean, at this point in time, he, he had just came back from a kayfabe head injury suffered by Owen Hart. Owen Hart had kicked him in the back of the head with an insecurity and put him off a of TV for about a month and a half. And for everybody that actually remembers this, he comes back and Owen Hart just is bragging about it. We're just putting him on the shelf and ultimately challenges him to a match which took place at the February In Your House pay-per-view for the actual number one contendership going to WrestleMania on the line. Where Shawn Michaels gets his revenge, he beats Owen in a good match, and then he's off to WrestleMania, of course. Now, here's where a lot of the debate comes in. Obviously, this is the first ever on WWF TV Iron Man match in the WrestleMania main event against the legendary Bret Hart. Now, this is a match I only watched one time, me personally. And it's not because it was an Iron Man match. It's not because of the, the competitors in the ring. But the thing that always rubbed me the wrong way is when you have a 60-minute match and the objective is, is to beat your opponent in more falls but there's literally no fall registered in the entire 60 minutes that was the reason i never watched this match other than once it's like that's all you really needed to see it's like there was nothing really to go back and revisit 
And I remember the number one spot that I remember of this match mostly was Bret Hart was in the was thrown into the timekeeper's lap. Shawn Michaels tries to super kick him. He moves out the way and accidentally kicks the timekeeper in the mouth. And that's one of the most uh, the, the number one spot I remember from that particular match. Of course, I remember things coming down the stretch where Bret uh, counters Shawn Michaels' missile drop kick into the sharpshooter with about 30 seconds remaining. And it was kind of it, it, it was it was pretty obvious even watching it live that he wasn't going to submit. He wasn't going to quit. And as soon as the match went into overtime, I had that feeling, even as at the time I was as a kid, Bret Hart was my guy. I really didn't start appreciating Shawn Michaels until his second run. And what I mean by that is I, I knew he was a, a very talented wrestler, even dating back when he broke away. But quite frankly, when he was with the Rockers, I knew he was very talented. Uh, but as far as the height of my fandom, I never gravitated towards Shawn Michaels in the 90s like I did Bret Hart. And it has nothing to do with him being a heel and Bret Hart being a babyface because I loved heels as a kid. But for whatever reason, when it came to Shawn Michaels, I just didn't really appreciate him until until the latter part of the 90s, right before he actually uh, retired with a broken back. And even more so when he came back in 2002. Um, but getting right back to it with the Ironman match. So Bret Hart loses in overtime after two consecutive super kicks. Shawn Michaels wins um, his first WWF world title. And this is the start of his run for approximately six months uh, as, as world champion. And oh, actually, he, he he goes all the way to Survivor Series. As a matter of fact, he does not he does not lose the belt until Survivor Series. But Bret Hart, the interesting thing is, is even from that point forward, from uh, from right from WrestleMania, they were already planning a return bout because Bret was going to take time off for majority of the year after he did the honors for Shawn Michaels. He they knew he was going to take time off. They were already planning for Bret Hart to uh, continue the storyline with Sean when he got back from his sabbatical. And interesting enough, it was supposed to take place a year later at WrestleMania 13, but it didn't happen. But at the same time, it was, it was, in my opinion, it was actually a blessing in disguise that it didn't happen. Not that I didn't appreciate the work rate of Brett and Sean together, but instead we got Brett and Austin. To this day, that match is considered the one of, if not the greatest WrestleMania matches of all time. But I want everybody to take a listen to Brett actually speak about this himself. This is something that probably not a lot of people have heard when it comes to um, the, the what the plan was for him and Sean at WrestleMania 13. Obviously, it never materialized, but Brett was indeed supposed 
to enter a a feud, a long-term feud that would have him ultimately go over a year later after Sean beat him at WrestleMania 12. Take a listen. I remember we talked about, uh, I, my understanding was when we left, when I left that meeting that day was that I was going to come back and that I was going to have a bit of a chip on my shoulder towards Sean and I was going to start ragging on him for not being a good role model and that, uh, you know, because I remember watching him on TV and he sometimes he'd pull his pants down and show his pubes and all that. And I thought, you know, being the, the, the so-called hero baby face of the company, that's not a good way to, to present yourself. So Sean, opposed to, going, to having another baby face versus babyface main event match, Sean was going to turn into a heel, going into their rematch of WrestleMania 13. But again, it never materialized. And that's another story for another day. But if you followed the Bret Hart-Shawn Michaels rivalry, real-life rivalry over the years, everybody is already familiar with Shawn Michaels, quote-unquote, losing his smile a year later in 1997. And there's a lot of people that believe he just didn't want to do the job to Bret Hart because of uh, the, the mutual resentment that the two suddenly had uh, built for each other. But coming right back to 1996, though, in Shawn Michaels' um, world title year. So he wins the championship from Bret. The next thing is he's now defending the belt against his longtime friend Diesel at the following pay-per-view in your house, Good Friends, Better Enemies. And they put on a hell of a match. They put on a fantastic match um, where it was a street fight. I mean, huge spot of the match. You see Shawn Michaels taking a powerbomb through a table. Um, he actually really didn't sell the powerbomb that long um, because at that time in 1996, you really didn't see guys taking finishes through tables. That was that was almost unheard of back in 1996. In, in, in the WWF, at least, it was. Um, but specifically, after watching this match back earlier this year, and Sean wasn't down any longer than maybe 30 seconds before he got up, might not have been that long. He did not sell the powerbomb long for whatever reason. And something that I found interesting is Sean, he goes on and win the match with the super kick. Um, and he actually taunts Hulk Hogan in the ring. You can visibly see him doing Hulk Hogan's poses. Um, and there's always a long-term animosity there that he had for Hulk Hogan because Hogan didn't have respect for guys like Shawn Michaels for guys like Bret Hart. He didn't respect those guys by any stretch of the imagination. And uh, he had Shawn Michaels' ire, much like he did many of people. But moving along, though, to the next pay-per-view, Beware of Dog, um, where he took on the British Bulldog in a match that ended, out to be, ended up being a no contest, had a smosh finish, um, it was kind of creative at the time as well, where Shawn Michaels pulls off a German suplex 
and his shoulders are down to the mat along with Bulldogs. The ref counts three. Neither Bulldog or Sean got his shoulder up. Um, so ultimately, they play Bulldog's music and and feigning like he actually won the belt. But that was not to be. Uh, and, and ultimately, <clears throat> uh, Shawn Michaels keeps the strap. They move towards a rematch uh, at King of the Ring. And before this actually happens, the infamous curtain call, as we know it, took place where at a house show in New York City, Shawn Michaels, Diesel, Razor Ramon, and Hunter Hearst Helmsley share a moment where they broke kayfabe in the ring, hugged each other because Shawn Michaels and Diesel, or excuse me, Razor, a.k.a. Scott Hall and Diesel, a.k.a. Kevin Nash, were heading to WCW the very next day. So uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley was actually uh, supposed to win. He was supposed to win the King of the Ring, but he got demoted for this act of breaking kayfabe, quote unquote. Um, and as we know it, as I talked about in my Steve Austin episode, that honor went to him. And that was for the better, obviously, when you look at everything in hindsight in, in 2020. But Shawn Michaels and the British Bulldog at King of the Ring 96 in the main event absolutely tore the house down it was a phenomenal match anybody who hasn't seen that match i implore you to go see it because quite frankly the british bulldog wasn't the same bulldog in the earlier part of the 90s he wasn't the SummerSlam 1992 british bulldog as far as his performance is concerned and even though bulldog he wasn't even in the right state of mind he still put on a hell of a performance at the 1992 SummerSlam. Uh, but this Bulldog in 96 at the King of the Ring, excellent match. Again, I implore anybody to go back and watch this. Shawn Michaels retains. And uh, heading into the next pay-per-view, uh, International Incident, uh, it's a six-man tag, Team Cornette against Shawn Michaels, Sid, and Ahmed Johnson. Vader, who had just came in earlier in the year, actually picks up the win with the Vader bomb on Shawn Michaels. So this leads to Vader actually getting a shot at Shawn Michaels at SummerSlam. And a decent match. A lot of smosh finishes as well. Or restarts, rather. Um, where... Shawn Michaels gets DQ'd, then he gets counted out, and in between each fall, Cornette is imploring them to restart the match, and ultimately, Shawn Michaels gets the win. Um, he actually breaks character and gets very unprofessional in the, in the match with Vader. Vader, who wasn't at the spots he was supposed to be at, Shawn Michaels, can, you can visibly see him yell at him, move, and uh, get up, and, you know, just... He, he was very unprofessional during the match. I mean, they just, yeah, you, you, you could just tell that he was not feeling working with Vader. He, he wasn't feeling it. 
Um, but this would happen again. That, uh, you, you would see some of the same antics, not, not verbally, but the exact same thing would happen. By the way, Sean, obviously, he retains, if I hadn't said that already. Uh, anybody who's seen it would know that. But um, you can tell going into the next pay-per-view, and even with his match, you know, I just put over just how great of a match he had with um, uh, British Bulldog. If there was one match that was even better than the match that he had with the British Bulldog, it was with Mankind at Mind Games. And I this this is a match that if you haven't seen it, Mick Foley is another guy. Let me, let me stop right there. He is another guy who, in my opinion, is an unsung hero of, uh, of the, uh, the, the, the pre and attitude era. He is a guy that did not get enough credit and not even Vince McMahon himself really thought he was about much when he actually signed on. He didn't really know what to expect. He had very low expectations of Mick Foley. Um, and it was Jim Ross who actually went to bat for Mick Foley. And you may have heard Jim Ross speak about it previously of just how Vince McMahon would tell Jim Ross, I want you to see how it feels to get your heart broken. When you have one of these guys who doesn't look like they're going to cut it, they don't cut it, and they're going to break your heart. But let me tell you something. If you haven't seen In Your House Mind Games, if you have not seen that, I implore you guys to go watch that. That, that, is, that, that is a match. The match that he had with, with, um, with Mick Foley at Mind Games was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And it's, it, it's actually one of Mick Foley's favorite matches. It is, it is his favorite match. He has gone on record to say that. It's his, and if you watch the match, you can see why he's so high on it. But again, moving along, Shawn Michaels actually does not wrestle at the next pay-per-view, which is known as Buried Alive. He actually did not wrestle for whatever reason. But instead, there was a number one contender match for his belt which was bet between Sid and Vader. Sid goes over with a choke slam. And that sets the stage for Survivor Series. And the match that Shawn Michaels and Sid, who at the time was more of a tweener. He wasn't, he wasn't, he was more closer to a baby face than heel. But Shawn Michaels was, all the way supposed to be 100% babyface. And he gets booed out of the building. I mean, you, you, have a few, you have a few girls cheering for Shawn Michaels, but predominantly Shawn Michaels going into this matchup was absolutely booed. And Sid was just showered with cheers. And I was a big, big Sid guy back, back when, he, when he made his return as Psycho Sid. I was a really big mark for him myself. So... I was all on board for Sid to actually capture the world title that night. And that is precisely what happened. Um, once Sid beat Shawn Michaels in the middle of the ring with the powerbomb, um, there's a little bit of Gaga in the match. 
with uh, Jose Lothario being on the ring apron. Sid grabs the camera. And then he gets on the ring apron, excuse me, cracks him in the chest. Shawn Michaels super kicks Sid as he's turning back around towards the center of the ring. Then he notices Jose on the ground. He goes, checks on him. Sid goes out, cracks Shawn Michaels in the back with the camera, throws him in the ring, then power bombs him. One, two, three. And just the crowd goes nuts with the new champion announced. It goes nuts. And... As a whole, in my opinion, Survivor Series 1996 is easily in my top three favorite Survivor Series of all time. Um, Obviously, and I've talked about in my episode with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, that his match that he had with Bret Hart easily, easily is underappreciated and overshadowed because of their match that they had at WrestleMania 13. And, 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 for, and for good reason. Don't get me wrong. But this also was a match. That at minimum was four stars. If not if not five. It was a, it was a different type of match. But it was phenomenal. It was a, 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 classes, a classic wrestling match that you can get. But the Shawn Michaels and Sid match. Was such a feel good moment. It was such a feel good moment. Because. At that time, I was just ready to see something, a, a new champion rise. And like I said, I was a big Sid Mark. But Sean, he had put on some great matches. He had put on some phenomenal matches. He had at least three high caliber matches in that particular year. Um, none bigger than the British Bulldog at King of the Ring and Mankind at Mind Games. Those were the top two best matches of his year even better than even better than his iron man match in my opinion even even better than that i mean there's it's really not much to talk about if if i'm being honest with you um i just feel when it comes to Shawn michael iron man match i think that's one of his more overrated matches and i've heard some other people say even on forums and other interviews that it's a match that not everybody globally recognizes as one of the the, the great matches that Shawn Michaels has had at WrestleMania. He's had some other classic matches at WrestleMania that, that um, shadowed that match in particular, you know, like when you think of, when you think of his uh, iconic ladder match that he had with at, at WrestleMania 10 with Razor Ramon, um, <clears throat> just phenomenal, just absolutely phenomenal match. Really put that on the map as far as, uh, ladder matches and TLCs and things of that nature. Um, and you have guys now raising the bar each and every time they go out there and they're trying to outdo each other. And in a way, that's kind of a curse on the business because there's only so many things that you can do that the audience hasn't seen. And there's going to be a point in time where somebody takes it too far. And then there's it's the point of no return. But at the end of the day, though, when you look at Shawn Michaels as a whole and in his 1996, he would go on and sit out, too, for the rest of 96. By the way, he would show up at the next pay-per-view, the It's Time pay-per-view in December as a commentator for the match between Bret Hart and Sid for the world title. And. Ultimately, 
Shawn Michaels plays a bit of a factor in Sid retaining that match as he gets on the apron and Sid Irish whips Bret Hart into Shawn Michaels, who's on the apron. They crack heads. He turns around, gets power bombed. One, two, three, Sid retains. But to get back to Shawn Michaels as a whole, in a general speaking sort of way, as that does conclude his 1996 year, he's a guy who is in, he's an influence to a lot of young wrestlers all over the place. He plays a huge part in NXT brand for WWE now. And he, he it's, it's funny because for a guy who had so many issues in the mid-90s, even during when he was the man, in his 1996 year as champion, he continued to have problems. He had problems. And he himself has said that he was just, he, he was a jerk. He was going through so much in his life that he, he was just a jerk. He was not fun to be around. And, and whether that was inside the ring and outside the ring. And you could see it in his behavior and, the, and his mannerisms and things that he would do in the ring when he would get upset because somebody missed a spot or they weren't there where they were supposed to be, um, whatever the case may be. But unfortunately, or should I say fortunately, um, <clears throat> that didn't deter him. I mean, yes, he would, he would leave after WrestleMania 98 as far as being an in-ring performer for four years. And then he would come back. But at the end of the day, Shawn Michaels, no matter no matter how much of a jerk he was back in the 90s. In the mid 90s, should I say, no matter how much he was uh, vilified by any boys in the back or or fans or whatever the case may be. He's still one of the greatest of all time. And as a matter of fact, Shawn Michaels personally is on my Mount Rushmore. And that. And that is really saying a lot when you consider the amount of greats in the sport. But that brings this particular episode to a conclusion. Please reach out to me um, on Twitter, TD, that's TD, babyface, 1182. I can also be reached on e blah, Instagram, excuse me. Uh, babyface underscore 1182 and you guys can continue to reach out to me uh, via email if you want to do that as well but I just opened up uh, an Instagram account and a Twitter account this past month so so uh, for for easier access um, but for whatever reason I'm still getting some messages on my email so you guys can keep them coming if you want at uh, T Davidson 1182 at yahoo.com but other than that, please feel free to reach me again on Twitter, TDBabyface1182, Instagram, babyface underscore 1182. And with that said, my next uh, episode will be centered around none other than The Undertaker and his year of 2001. Uh, so that's something that you guys can come look forward to, and I will bring it to you next week.